Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the redistricting of Ohio's election maps. That's for the State House of Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and Ohio's new congressional maps are being redrawn. And so we're going to talk about that process on this program. But there's been breaking news this week, and the breaking news was that this decision came down by the state Supreme Court, a second decision, again, rejecting the maps that were drawn by the redistricting commission. Let's go to that uh, report right now from the State House News Bureau. After Monday's ruling declaring the latest House and Senate maps unconstitutional, the Ohio Christian Alliance issued a statement that said Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor could face impeachment because of her, quote, rogue manner, and that she's joined, again quoting, the radical left by trying to disrupt the 2022 midterms. But Aaron Baer with the group's Center for Christian Virtue says his organization hasn't commented on redistricting so far. But he did say this. We're frustrated by the courts uh, stepping in uh, in an area where they don't they very clearly don't have authority. That echoes the comments from the court's three Republicans. In one of the two dissents, Justices Sharon Kennedy and Pat DeWine, son of Governor Mike DeWine, who's on the redistricting commission, wrote, quote, One must wonder which seven-member body is the true redistricting commission, the constitutionally named officers or this court. Karen Kassler at the Ohio Public Radio Statehouse News Bureau. That, again, is the news that uh, broke this week as the state Supreme Court in a four to three decision again rejected the redistricting commission's redraw of the state maps for Ohio House and Ohio Senate. This after a December decision in which they rejected the maps that the commission originally drew and passed. Now let's understand something. How does the uh, representation of maps of Ohio House and Ohio Senate and our congressional maps take place? Every 10 years after the census, once the um, representation of the uh, election uh, or the census of how many people reside in the state of Ohio, maps are redrawn. Ohio finds out how many congressional members that they'll have. So Ohio did not grow as fast as some of the states like Florida, Tennessee, or Texas, uh, some of the southern states. So we lost another congressional state, a seat, excuse me. So since 1980, for instance, uh, at that time, we had 23 congressional seats. And then other states like Texas, Florida, Tennessee, other states, of course, New York and California. Uh, California, during the 70s and 80s, a lot of Ohioans and Midwesterners moved to California since that they've relocated. In fact, California lost a congressional seat this last uh, census as well because people were moving out of the high uh, uh, tax states of New York and California, and moving to more uh, friendly states like in the South with Florida and Tennessee, Texas, uh, picking up uh, new congressional seats. So Ohio lost one. We're down to now 15 congressional seats. So the commission is made up of uh, the Speaker of the House, the Senate President, the uh, State Auditor, the Secretary of State, and the Governor, and then minority members in both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. 
So since the Republicans won sweeping fashion in 20, uh, 2018, uh, they won the statewide seats of Secretary of State, State Auditor, the Governor's Office. Uh, they retain leadership and uh, majority in the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. So they make five uh, up five members of the redistricting commission to the two members, which are Democratic representation in both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. So traditionally what has happened is what was called the apportionment board, and it was made up of those same members, and then uh, the maps were considered by the Ohio legislature, they were drawn by the Ohio legislature, and then passed in a majority vote, uh, and then that's how we got our 10-year maps. Now, after the ballot issue uh, that was first uh, presented in the legislature back in 2015 uh, and then passed by the Ohio voters, uh, it was a redistricting commission. It was more of a compromise. It would say that if minority members of the commission, in this instance it would be the two Democratic members, objected to the maps, which they did, uh, they would be four-year maps, not ten-year. There has to be unanimous concurrence on the redistricting commission for them to be ten-year maps. So these were going to be four-year maps. Now comes the new caveat in all this, and that is the Democrats not only objected in their vote on the commission, they went ahead and filed suit in state court. So the matter went before the Ohio Supreme Court. Now our state constitutional, excuse me, state constitution does not give the court opportunity to, to draw maps uh, but it was going to make a decision whether they were constitutional or not. Now, the, the court currently is made up of four Republicans and three Democrats. However, the Chief Justice, Maureen O'Connor, has been migrating more to a more of a liberal philosophy on the court. And many would say that she's actually become a Democrat because in recent uh, elections, she has supported uh, Democrats running for the bench, and I think that can be discovered that where she raised money for uh, some of the Democrats that were running for the state Supreme Court. So she has actually um, migrated to the left in her philosophy. So, so that the case, in this instance, she actually made a decision with the Democrats uh, calling the maps that the majority of the redistricting commission uh, passed were unconstitutional. Well, the redistricting commission then reconvened, and uh, they did that um, here just some weeks ago uh, in January, and then they met in a marathon session. They were waiting for the Democrats to present maps. They waited and waited, and late in the day on a Saturday they did present something, but they weren't really workable to what all the factors that have to be considered when redrawing these maps. So the commission uh, voted again. They actually gave five more seats back to the Democrats. Okay, so after the first maps, the Democrats received five more seats, still objected, and went back to the state Supreme Court now that they feel that they have the majority vote in which they do. So with that being said, here was the statement that we put out. Breaking news, the Ohio Supreme Court in a 4-3 decision with Justice Maureen O'Connor joining the Democrats again is trying to disrupt Ohio's midterm elections by rejecting the Ohio Redistricting Commission's redraw maps that gave the Democrats five more seats. It is time to move on and ignore the court. If Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor wants to continue in her rogue manner as she has obviously joined the radical left by trying to do, disrupt the 2022 midterm elections, she may be facing impeachment. Stay tuned. Then we go on to read the opinion. 
says, below is the dissenting opinion by Justices Kennedy and Justice DeWine and also Justice Fisher, who wrote his own dissenting opinion. But here is the dissenting opinion. Listen carefully to this. This is Republican uh, Pat DeWine and Republican Sharon Kennedy, who's also running for Chief Justice this year. She'll be on the ballot. Both uh, Pat DeWine and um, uh, Sharon Kennedy will be running uh, for the court, and she'll be running for Chief Justice to replace Maureen O'Connor. And, of course, Pat Fisher will be running as well. Here is the dissenting opinion. Listen carefully. We dissent from the majority's pronouncement that the revised General Assembly District Plan violates Article 11, Section A of the Ohio Constitution and is therefore invalid. And we disagree with the majority's decision to retain jurisdiction over this case and to set arbitrary time limitations and new rules for the Ohio Redistricting Commission's work that have no basis in the text of the Ohio Constitution. It is apparent that disregard of constitutional standards. Four members of this court have now commandeered the redistricting process and that they will continue to reject any General Assembly plan until they get the plan they want. It, will simp- it would simplify matters if the commission would just provide the majority with the map drawing software, Maptitude, so that they can draw the map themselves. At this point, what must one, mon- excuse me, one must wonder which seven-member body is the true redistricting commission, the constitutionally named officers, or this court? Wow, that was a stinging uh, rebuke of the majority in the court, which is Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, Justice Bruner, a Democrat, Justice Donnelly, a Democrat, and Justice Stewart, a Democrat. And it was the Republicans of Pat Wine, Pat Fisher, and Justice Kennedy that wrote that dissenting opinions. And so that really is an indictment against the court. So these are their words, not ours. Yet the liberal media just went apoplactic when the Ohio Christian Alliance put out that statement. Let me read our statement to you again. The Ohio Supreme Court in a 4-3 decision with Justice Maureen O'Connor joining the Democrats again is trying to disrupt Ohio's midterm elections by rejecting the Ohio Redistricting Commission's redraw maps that gave the Democrats five more seats. It's time to move on and to ignore the court if Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor wants to continue in her rogue manner as she has obviously joined the radical left by trying to disrupt the 2022 midterms. She may be facing impeachment. Stay tuned. Well, a couple of things there. A few weeks ago, we put out a statement about constitutional crisis looming with this whole business. And indeed, that's what we have now. We have a difference between the executive branch, the legislative branch, and now the judicial branch. You have uh, justices on the bench, and the members of the legislature will be speaking up, and probably leadership. You're going to hear some news in the next couple of days, in the next week or so. And so it's going to bear out here, as there is a lot of complaint among the members of the redistricting commission, uh, our statewide office holders, including our Secretary of State, as we have a primary coming up on May 3rd. The filing deadline uh, passed. It was on February 2nd. Candidates have already filed their papers. They're campaigning for office for Ohio House, Ohio Senate, for Congress. And uh, this court is trying to meddle in the midterm elections, which would be, quite honestly, 
Uh, normally, there's a uh, pendulum swing election, <clears throat> and with Mr. Biden and the left, hard left being in office in Washington, um, it looks as if it will be a big Republican wave, but the Democrats are running around in red states wreaking havoc with lawsuits. And so who's behind all this, you say? Well, I'll just tell you that George Soros has his attorneys, and one of them is former Attorney General under Barack Hussein Obama, Eric Holder. That's right, the disgraced Attorney General Eric Holder. You remember um, Fast and Furious, the gun dealing of uh, firearms across the border with uh, drug uh, gangs in Mexico that went awry and all that. He's never really been held account to that. He's never had to answer questions uh, after office, obviously, you know, in office and then beyond. But he's back at it. He's now the attorney that they're looking to here in Ohio with the Democrats. Eric Holder has been uh, part of these lawsuits before our state Supreme Court. And what is it doing? It's delaying the election. It's actually taking away your right and my right to cast our vote for candidates of our choice. You know, let me say explicitly, the Ohio Christian Alliance is not partisan in that in this sense. We are conservative. We make no bones about that. We don't endorse political parties or candidates. We don't as an organization. I personally don't endorse publicly uh, candidates running for office. That has been our uh, position. We continues to be our position. What do we do? Well, we survey the candidates uh, in our survey, and then we publish the results of how they stated in the voter guide. We also urge people to register to vote and uh, to get involved in the electoral process. Well, we have a, a May third primary coming up, and there's candidates running for office. We also encourage people to run for office. We, uh, to, you know, everyone can run. You know, you can file for office and, you know, let your voice be heard, that we're all about that. But if you don't have an election, if you don't have district maps drawn, folks, your rights are being denied. And that's what this court's doing right now. Now, look, we understand that the Democrats had every right to object, and of course they, but, but actually it would have been four-year maps, not ten-year maps. And that was the agreement, by the way, that they made with this same ballot language in the legislature. It was This initiative petition got started in the legislature. It was agreement between Democrats and Republicans. Okay, good, we're good with this language. If they, there's not agreement, it will be four-year maps, not ten-year maps, okay? Well, then they went ahead and went to court anyways. I'm like, wait a second, I thought you believed in the redistricting commission language, but obviously not, and they wanted to go ahead and send it to the state Supreme Court for review, and all this is just taking time and money and is delaying the election, and so what must the legislature do? And actually, the governing body, quite honestly, which is the apportionment board, now the redistricting commission, it just so happens that as we voted as Ohioans, they're all Republicans, uh, and um, they're ba- the court is basically denying them their constitutional duty to draw the maps to the best of their understanding of how it's representation of the people of the state of Ohio and uh, to hold fair and open elections. That's all being forestalled now by this business before the Supreme Court. But I want to read to you again the dissenting opinion. Again, not ours. This is, comes from the dissenting opinion. This is the associates of the court with the chief justice, okay? This is her peers. This is what they say. It is apparent that the disregard of constitutional standards for members of this court, meaning O'Connor, Bruner, Donnelly, and Stewart, the Democrats, uh, you could all call o- O'Connor a Democrat now, anyways, a liberal, have now commandeered 
the redistricting process and that they will continue to reject any General Assembly district plan until they get the plan they want. It would simplify matters if the commission would just provide the majority with the map drawing software, (laughs) Maptitude. That's the way in which you draw these maps. So that they can draw the map themselves at this point, one must wonder which seven-member body is the true redistricting commission, the constitutionally named officers, or this court. While that is a scathing rebuke of the majority's decision, uh, of course, Maureen O'Connor gave the Democrats the uh, majority by siding with them. Now what must the legislature do? We're going to talk about that and also hear from the uh, Speaker of the House, Bob Cup. when we come back on the other side. I want to tell you about the Bring America Back to Life conference. That's right, Cleveland Right to Life, holding their annual conference uh, right here in Independence, a great pro-life weekend. And uh, here's our friend Molly Smith to tell us more. On March 11th and 12th, Bob France will return to the Embassy Suites in Independence as the MC of the nationally acclaimed Bringing America Back to Life convention to introduce such renowned names as Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire, Milo Yiannopoulos, whose powerful conversion story is riveting, David Barton from Wall Builders, and many more. This 13th annual educational conference is presented by the Kurtz Brothers. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in this, the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. Through focusing on prayer, action, voting and education, Cleveland Right to Life is paving the way back to life. Help us to bring America back to life on March 11th and 12th. For information, tickets and booth registration, go to bringingamericabacktolife.org, bringingamericabacktolife.org or call 440-653-5245. 440-653-5245. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. And we're back, and we're going to have a major update for you on the D-Day Prayer Project here in the next few weeks, so stay tuned for that. Well, I want to get back to this topic on the redistricting, redraw of the maps. And, of course, right now with the Ohio Supreme Court wreaking havoc in the process of which should have been a very simple process. Ohioans agreed on the ballot a few years back that the redistricting commission, uh, according to elections of whose officers would fill those seats, uh, would be the ones who drew the maps. And then if the minority on the commission uh, objected, whether that was Republicans. Let's say, for instance, if the Democrats won all the statewide seats in the governor's office, they would be the majority. Then the Republicans would be the minority. They would object. They would be four-year maps, not 10-year maps. 
That's the way the redistricting commission is designed to have some checks and balances. But the Democrats don't seem to like that the majority happens to be the Republicans this time. They are the minority. They objected. They'd be four-year maps, not ten. So the Ohio voters can get to it as far as uh, electing uh, officials that will represent them, not only in Congress, but at the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. So what happened after the court rejected the second round of maps? Well, they went back to the legislature. And so this was the congressional maps. And let's talk about them for a minute because there's some great intrigue here, too. So the maps, the maps go back to the Ohio uh, legislature for consideration, but they need a supermajority vote to get them passed. Let's go to Speaker Bob Cup to hear what he has to say yesterday, as he's the only one that responded after the court's decision, but he did make an announcement yesterday. Let's hear that. Uh, it became apparent that it wasn't possible to get a two-thirds vote in the House, which would enable the any map adopted to go into effect uh, right away. And without that, it wouldn't go into effect till after the primary date. So uh, if it goes to the redistricting uh, commission, it goes into effect as soon as the commission acts. And so um, anticipate that that would be uh, well before the primary date. So that's the, that's the re- major reason. So if you listened very carefully there, he said that uh, if the legislature was to pass it without a supermajority vote, it would it's, uh, it's going to take some time for it to be in effect that would carry us past the pro- May 3rd primary, okay? So they would need a supermajority for it to be enacted immediately. And since he, did, he said we do not have the votes, we're sending it back to the redistricting commission. Now, follow along carefully. Now, they said, and he said, excuse me, that they have the opportunity to redraw maps and pass them and them to go in effect immediately. Okay. And that way we'll have a May 3rd primary. So I think a battle is looming here, and you're going to see, uh, whether you call it a constitutional crisis, I really call it that uh, the various parts of government are going to start battling with with each other, and that is the state legislature is going to hold pat, probably with the state maps that have been drawn and which candidates currently are campaigning on, a whole host of candidates, by the way. Um, and by the way, we encourage you to get out and hear these candidates, whether you're running for the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate, or Congress, hear what they have to say, uh, and basically we will be surveying, providing a voter guide of those who respond to the survey and publish that. Obviously, if they don't answer questions on pro-life, pro-family, you're kind of going to know whether they're with us or not, okay? So it gives you an indication of how to cast your vote and intelligently for those who hold your values. That's what the Ohio Christian Alliance does. But um, let's talk about what will happen with the congressional maps. So let's say that the commission then goes ahead and passes the congressional maps. What if the Democrats sue again? They will inevitably sue again and try to send it back to state courts. We are hearing that those um, the Ohio Republican caucus of the congressional members are ready to sue in federal court. That would take it out of the state court's hands. What will happen with the state maps? Well, they're kind of stuck with the redistricting commission. According to legal opinion, they cannot take it to federal court. So that will be a standoff. They'll basically, they may do as we stated. They may ignore the court. As to the fact about, uh, or as to the idea of impeachment, that's up to the legislature, whether they're going to bring charges against the chief justice or not. They may just decide to ignore the court. Well, all of this is important to you and I who want to cast a vote on May 3rd 
and for the candidates of our choice. So to learn more about all this, visit our website at the Ohio Christian Alliance. That's ohioca.org, and you'll see the press statement we put out on this. We'll also give you updated information, but stay tuned because things are about to get real interesting with all this. But but as we see it right now, the maps that were passed by the commission, the state maps, uh, there's no plans to redraw those. They are redrawing the congressional maps, and that we should get news on those in the next week or 10 days. And then I think you're going to hear that lawsuits are going to happen, and this time the Republicans are going to file a lawsuit into federal court. So, again, this is all very important because it is what we do in a representative form of government. We actually have opportunity to vote for the candidates of our choice, to represent us in Congress, to represent us at the State House in Columbus. And the Ohio Christian Alliance is a pro-life, pro-family organization, and it's important that we put people in office that respect the value of life and respect the value of our faith and of our family values. Thank you for listening. Uh, Again, this is Chris Long with the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you can learn more about our our organization, our website, at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. On the other side, we're going to be talking with State Representative Scott Wiggum on the death penalty. Don't go away. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. On March 11th and 12th, Bob France will return to the Embassy Suites in Independence as the MC of the nationally acclaimed Bringing America Back to Life convention to introduce such renowned names as Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire, Milo Yiannopoulos, whose powerful conversion story is riveting, David Barton from Wall Builders, and many more. This 13th annual educational conference is presented by the Kurtz Brothers. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in this, the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. Through focusing on prayer, action, voting, and education, Cleveland Right to Life is paving the way back to life. Help us to bring America back to life on March 11th and 12th. For information, tickets, and booth registration, go to bringingamericabacktolife.org, bringingamericabacktolife.org, or call 440-653-5245. 440-653-5245. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. 
And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about an important issue today in the state of Ohio when we consider the rule of law and justice. Uh, one of the things that we have here in the state of Ohio is the death penalty. And what we have seen over the last few years is that no executions have taken place in the state of Ohio since Governor DeWine has been governor. Now, in fact, uh, as those on death row come up for their time of execution because of the crimes of which they committed, the heinous crimes, um, their executions have been delayed after delay. And, of course, out of the governor's office is some uh, excuse about the lethal drugs, uh, the cocktail that's used, the company that provides them, and they're not able to get the drugs. Well, we're going to talk about how that's not exactly the truth of the matter, of why there hasn't been any executions. We're going to look over a few numbers here. Actually, since 1976, Ohio has had the death penalty, as the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated in 1976 the death penalty. You know, when we think of the death penalty, of course the concern is whether if somebody is convicted and they're actually innocent or there was circumstantial evidence. As it is today... Uh, there is no one that is actually executed uh, over circumstantial evidence. There may be people that are on death row from previous uh, dates of which uh, uh, DNA evidence uh, that is now available was not available then. I personally believe that no one should be executed uh, due to uh, circumstantial evidence, but I do believe in the death penalty. And actually, the Bible is very clear on this in Genesis 9-6, right? After Noah and his family got off the ark and God destroyed the first world because of the wickedness of that uh, generation, only eight souls were saved. And as they stepped off uh, of the ark onto Mount Ararat, God spoke these words to them, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So, you know, to protect the innocent, God actually instituted the death penalty in the world in which we live today. And it is to be carried out in a very uh, uh, justice of law in a civil way, not by way of retribution or vigilantism, but through the courts and through due process. And we believe in due process without question. But we also believe in the rule of law, and we believe in protecting the innocent. And when heinous crimes are committed and capital offenses such as mur murder, exactly, uh, that, that's why the death penalty exists in the states, and Ohio is one of them. Let me give you the numbers over the last number of years. So let's go back to Governor Ted Strickland, who served from 2007 to 2011. That was just for four years. Eighteen executions took place during Governor Strickland's administration. Governor Kasich served uh, the people of Ohio as governor from 2011 to 2019. Eleven executions. Governor DeWine was elected in 2018, and this is now the year 2022. He is running for re-election no executions during his time in office. This has really been a concern of people who work in law enforcement, people who believe that, ex that uh, the death penalty is a deterrent, and uh, this business coming out of the governor's office, quite honestly, he's not being honest with the people of Ohio. If he doesn't believe in the death penalty, then the governor should just say that. And, uh, you know, in fact, why did he run for governor? Because a governor has three things that he can do. He can actually commute a sentence. He can pardon and the third thing is he can actually refrain from pardoning someone as a pardon is put to him 
uh, on a stay of execution and allow the execution to go forward. All these governors, previous governors, they had the same thing, the paperwork that came to their desk. But because the prosecutors, the rule of law, and the jury decided that this individual was guilty beyond a shadow of doubt, beyond a re- you know, no reason uh, to believe that they were innocent, but that they were guilty of the crimes in which they were charged. And the ultimate is, of course, the death penalty. Here to talk with us about the death penalty in Ohio and some of the uh, suggestions he has as to what might remedy the situation as the lethal injection is State Representative Scott Wiggum. Uh, Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, thank you, Scott. A few years ago, you actually took this issue up with the governor, and because this debate back and forth, we know the ACLU and the liberal types, and actually there's people right now that are pushing to do away with Ohio's death penalty. There's actually a very false conservative group. They go by uh, concerned conservatives about the death penalty. But when you look at who's backing this group up, it's called a group called Equal Justice USA. They're a far left-wing organization backed by the Southern Poverty Law Center, the ACLU, and George Soros Money, I bet you, is behind it as well. They're for defunding the police. They're for opening the jails and reducing bail. The same kind of things we see in New York City and Chicago, L.A., and Minneapolis. And you talk to people in those cities, and we see it on the nightly news. There is no uh, rule of law and law of order, and I mean, it's just brutal on those streets, and people are vacating those inner cities. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, basically, I see this as the continuation of the soft-on-crime policies that have been pushed by the left and accepted by some who may be considered conservatives or Republicans, Um, and, and I think that we need to rethink this and reject uh, the idea that the death penalty needs to go away, because the death penalty actually, actually upholds the sanctity of a human being, upholds the value of a human being, um, and the state has every ability and right to do that. Now, a, a good state will do it in a, a due process manner, just as you spoke to. So, yeah, I saw this coming um, when I got to the state house in 2017. Uh, I saw um, underpinning pushes. Not everybody's been vocal about it. Uh, but I, I took the issue uh, head on and tried to bring it, bring some attention to it in 2019. Well, that's right. And so what we've heard in these debates uh, about the lethal injection uh uh, concoction or you know whatever the drug is that's used for the lethal injection. We no longer have obviously use old Sparky, which was the electric chair. Uh, we don't use the gas chamber. Yeah, I'm not actually a favorite of those either. I I do think we ought to maybe bring back uh, hangings or the firing squad, something that just makes it final. Uh, lethal injection, fine. That's something that was implemented. And now the drug company that was providing it, it got political at that point. There's always something that can be administered to someone. In fact, how often do we see law enforcement hold up on the nightly news that they made a drug bust with fentanyl pouring over our southern border? And uh, they said, this is enough fentanyl to kill every single citizen in our city. Well, you know, I think uh, you came up with a remedy a few years ago as a suggestion of how we just might solve the lethal injection um, uh, 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 drug that would use. Uh, explain that to our audience. Well, Chris, when you see this, so I know uh, the under, underpinnings of the push, right? The push to get rid of the death penalty. I see it in Columbus. Um, and I know that most Ohioans don't know that that is going on. 
so as that was happening, uh, Governor DeWine at that particular time in 2019 had delayed or pushed off. Um, I don't think he provided full clemency, but he was delaying uh, the death penalty for uh, certain individuals. And it, he was stating that it was because of uh, that drug companies would not sell their drugs to the state of Ohio if Ohio continued going down that path. Now, I don't know if that's ever been proven. I'd like to see uh, see that um, see that kind of information. I do know that Ohio's injection process could be changed, and it could be changed quite quite simply. But the but the bottom line was is that there was concerted effort to get rid of the death penalty. And so what I had suggested, and, and as you know, in 2019, as now, uh, after we've had, you know, two years of shutdowns on and open borders on our society, you know and have seen the, the, the devastating effect of drugs uh, once again in the state of Ohio. But in 2020, it all kind of subsided just a little bit. Uh, it was starting to subside in 2019 because of a great economy. But uh, so bottom line is I brought up the fact that, uh, um, that you know, we, we have seized more fentanyl or we have seized enough fentanyl to kill Ohioans two and three times over. And, um, and so basically what I had said is that why don't we put something in place where we can use seized fentanyl? You don't even have to buy it if you don't want to. Um, so, you know, bottom line, my point was is that this is, this is simply an, uh, uh, an excuse uh, that our that our our, you know, our, uh, our administration is using to not go forward with the death penalty, because I think personally they're against it. Now, that's my personal belief, but they ought to just say it. I don't think it's about the drug concoction. You can change that. If you want to, change the law. If you don't think, if you think the death penalty is too easy to achieve or takes too long to achieve, then you change and reform the law. But you're going to need leadership on that to get those things done. So what I did is I, I offered a, a, a suggestion and a bill that I would, I would put forward using seized fentanyl for, uh, to, to replace any of the other concoctions that we do, uh, that, that we had used. Now, as you know, uh, in fentanyl, fentanyl, very small, small amounts were killing, uh, uh, you know, people were dying uh, very quickly very quickly. Um, and, and we knew, we knew, uh, we had a lot of studies on it and we knew how it worked. So I proposed that we use that. And, um, and that was, uh, something that, uh, was completely rejected by the governor at least three times in the newspaper, uh, uh, or in the, or, or in the media. So that was my experience in 2019. But at that particular time, uh, I found out, uh, some other people that were saying, yeah, I don't think that's going to work because the conversation that I had with the media um, forced a lot of people to have conversations, a lot of people in leadership. So the speaker at the time was uh, starting to talk about his doubts uh, about the death penalty and so forth. So I started going down that, that route and, um, um, and, and, and so it subsided somewhat in 2020 because, as you know, in 2020 it was all about the shutdowns, the lockdowns, and the and the other, um, you know, the other things that have brought great human tragedy and consequences to the state of Ohio. Well, let's take a look at uh, the crime rate, uh, and in fact, paralleling the suspension for all intents purposes, the suspension of the death penalty, which is the ultimate, uh, uh, you know, death penalty is the ultimate rule of law of a civil society. No one likes it. It's a very unpleasant subject, without question. Right. I've already expressed my sentiment that I don't believe that anyone, based upon circumstantial evidence or just uh, or just a, a couple of witnesses, should ever be 
uh, sentenced to death. But when it's without a shadow of doubt, when there's photographic and DNA evidence that links uh, that person, and it's without question, without a doubt, uh, and after appeal after appeal, uh, that person should face the ultimate in, in the uh, uh, justice of law. But uh, again, an unpleasant subject. But the, f- the fact of the matter is, we, we talk about what, what, what will happen if you do away with it. Well, for all intents and purposes, we have done away with it. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at Columbus, the city that hosts our state government. In 2018, there was 115 murders in the city of Columbus in 2018. In 2019, there was 104 murders. But in 2020, there was 175 murders. And in 2021, there was over 200 murders. It is now the capital, uh, murder capital of Ohio, Columbus, the city of Columbus. And again, this is where our state government is hosted. Also, the, you know, the governor uh, has suspended the, uh, the death penalty. And of course, what has also happened in the city of Columbus is you have a very liberal approach to law and order where you have a governor excuse me a mayor who's very liberal a a city prosecutor and now a county prosecutor who's backed by george soros who is releasing people on bail they are taking a very weak approach to crime uh and punishment of crime uh the, the police are leaving the force all across our state i just talked to an officer at our church on sunday and he said chris the young guys lots of young guys are leaving he said they don't feel as if uh, they're being backed up. They don't believe as if they're being supported, and crime is just getting out of control. You know, Scott, we got a bad way in this state, and folks are just beginning to wake up, and we're going to wake some folks up. That's why we're having this program today. But if you look at those numbers alone, we have to make sure that we have a death penalty in the state to let cr- those criminals know that you will face the ultimate judge- judgment. Again, Genesis 9-6 you take a life, your life will be taken by way of uh, the process of a law uh, in a civil government. Your thoughts? No, no, I agree. So, so two things. One is, is, is the push is, is happening in the political world. And I think it's happening, um, and, and sometimes I think that they're trying to use biblical text and or moralistic, moral, moral relevancy, um, as a basis. And so, so one of the things that you see is, you know, you've got bail reform laws that are being introduced. You have the idea that people in, you know, out in California right now, you can steal up to $900 worth before anybody's going to prosecute you. So what, what are they doing? They're making sure that small businesses are going out of business, right? All of them are, are leaving and they can't be in these towns when this happens. But ultimately, when you're talking about the death penalty, and I'll tell you one little quick story I had. Uh, when, when this came up in 2019, I was at the gym, and I was leaving the gym, and a, a college kid came out and approached me and said, hey, I know who you are, and I know the position you took on the death penalty, and I just want to tell you I, I don't agree with it. Uh, I proceeded to tell him about a death that happened in our county uh, years ago, uh, where an individual actually had uh, absconded a 13-year-old girl, uh, abducted her, uh, raped her, uh, tortured her, and uh, dismembered her. Uh, and then had the audacity or the the, the wherewithal that uh, late in the morning uh, went to a car wash to to wash out the back of the jeep um, and deposited uh, parts of her all over. I said that to him, and he looked at me and he said, "Well, maybe in certain cases." See, the point is, is people really aren't thinking through this. 
um, I don't think enough. Because if you do have sanctity, if you do have care about that 13-year-old girl, you are going to want to push something like this forward because that is a um, that is something that is is uh, uh, of this of the state's interest, of the people's interest in the state. And so there's all sorts of arguments that they're making, uh, but that that would be the main thing. And then they go to the moral moralistic argument. So my 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 statement to that is, you know, you have this. Well, conservatives don't believe uh, in big government should have this power. Well, so so I, I understand that that idea and that that simple uh, exchange of thoughts. But the bottom line is is if we are doing. Uh, due process, and if you reform it so that we know that it's not circumstantial evidence, we have we have the reality of a heinous crime that I had just described to you. Um, number one, people say, well, that if that's the case, then, then maybe maybe I'm for it in, in very strict uh, in very strict sense. Well, then 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 you're not against the death penalty; you're just for the reform of the death penalty. Right. I think that's what most people are. So, you know, when I have conversations about this, that's what I'm finding out that most people are there. But, but the bottom line is, is you have this idea that somehow, um, that somehow government, when, when it goes through the process, is not going to get it right. And sometimes, you know, we, we feel uh, that that could be the case. You have to have reform. I'm fine with reform. But you, 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 if your bottom line is to get rid of the death penalty, I think you're cheapening life right off the bat. And I think that's what we need to continue to push for. Well, again, there's legislation in both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, and they unfortunately have co-sponsors of both Democrats and Republicans. And folks, we need to let our voices heard. And we're going to get you the numbers on those bills and a call to action in our next program. But I want to give to you a snapshot poll that we conducted at the Ohio Christian Alliance of our membership by way of email. And we just uh, opened this up for a few hours and allowed people to respond. Of the 238 people that looked at the survey, 110 actually filled out the survey, and the question was this. Capital punishment for certain crimes such as first-degree murder. The answers could have been support, oppose, or undecide. The support votes were 89% in favor of the death penalty, 7% opposed, and 3% were undivided. And again, this was uh, adult men and women and registered voters. So, Scott, I believe, and we're going to take a much larger poll, uh, we're going to do it statewide, uh, a larger sampling, but this is actually, I wanted to know where our folks stood, okay? Has there been a change in their minds about this? And there certainly has not. Uh, we survey every uh, two years, the state representative, state senate, those running for statewide office. Uh, this year we'll be doing the same thing, sending out our survey, and that's a direct question from the survey. We're also going to talk about the effort to legalize marijuana, how we're opposed to that. We're going to give the poll results on that. We're going to be talking about a major push to push back against this effort to legalize recreational marijuana. It's the last thing this state needs. It's it's always been a gateway drug. It continues to be a gateway drug, and we just don't need that uh, in this state like they have had disastrously in other states like California and in Denver, uh, in, in Colorado. We're going to get some of those people on the radio program that actually talk about what has happened since they've legalized marijuana in those two states. However, back to the death penalty. So the people really want the death penalty, especially at a time when we just saw uh, in the last 18 months— uh, in 2020, in the summer of 2020, we saw 
the streets of America burning in 200 cities of rioting, looting, and anarchy and destruction. And these, some of these cities will never return to their former glory. And, I mean, this is the wanton destruction of life, limb, and property. People were murdered. And this is at a time when, uh, with that as the backdrop, people were thinking about getting rid of the death penalty in this state and lessening uh, penalties for crimes. I mean, Scott, I can't believe what's going on here. What's your thoughts? Well, no, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that's why the death penalty, uh, after the the summer of... of, uh, of, of riots and pillaging cities uh, by a lot of, I think, Democrat-affiliated groups, in my opinion, um, you know, I, I think that people are not as, as vocal about this. But what I think is important that I think your organization has to do is, is get people, is, is get uh, people running for office on, on, on uh, the statement on the death penalty. Okay, are you are you in favor? Are you against it? Are you in favor, and of course, with reforms, uh, or, or are you against it under all circumstances? You can have different things, but I think it's going to be very important uh, for people to know where their leaders or the representatives or those who uh, want to serve them where they stand when they go to the state house, because it's going to be a major issue, and there will be a push, and they might try to do it quietly, uh, but we have to know where people are going to stand on this issue. Absolutely, and that. That's what we're going to do in the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide as we survey all candidates running for uh, the Ohio State House, the Ohio Senate, uh, running for Congress, running for statewide office, and asking them where they stand on this issue. And folks, we're not Johnny Come Lightly. We've been doing this for a while, and that's been a long-standing question in our surveys, and it's going to be featured in the Voter Guide. So, Scott, just taking uh, your suggestion there, absolutely, and especially since there is this biggest push that we've had in some time to do away with Ohio's death penalty, and we think it would be disastrous when it comes to rule of law and and our civil society and protecting the innocent in this state. It would be a disastrous move. So, folks, we're going to get you more information. You can visit our website at ohioca.org or just search Ohio Christian Alliance, and we'll be talking about this more. Scott, thanks for coming on the program today. Uh, tell us how people can reach you and uh, follow your work at the State House. Well, they can follow me. Uh, I'm on uh, Getter and Twitter, both under uh, Scott Wiggum. If they look, put that on, uh, they can also go to my website, uh, scottwiggum.com. Uh, and if they want to, they can go to the Ohio House uh, website that I have, too, which does uh, constant updates of some of the bills that we're working on. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Scott Wiggum, uh, state representative. And uh, what's your new district's number now? My new, my new district number is uh, 78, but it's still uh, Wayne County, Ohio. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. Thanks thank for, you. for having me. All right. Well, again, this is a very serious issue that we're talking about, obviously, Ohio's death penalty. And I'm just going to give you the numbers again. During the DeWine administration, there has been no executions as Governor DeWine has all but suspended the death penalty in Ohio. This has not been by way of legislative action. This has not been uh, done by way of uh, the legislature. This is the governor basically uh, implementing his own policy of no executions. That's not what Ohioans want. Uh, His previous predecessors, under John Kasich and under Ted Strickland, uh, a a Democrat, they carried out and allowed the the, rule of law to take place and what the will of the people was and uh, bringing justice against those who violated against the innocent. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and we're glad that you joined us today. 
And uh, you, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.